Hi there, I'm Hayden. I'm Jacqueline. I'm Jasmine. I'm Alfredo. And this week we'll be talking about the awakening in the first 10 chapters. In the first chapter of the book, a lot of instances of Leonce being kind of self-centered and controlling comes through, especially when he like he talks to his wife saying, you are burnt beyond recognition. And he kind of looks at her like valuable piece of personal property. And I feel like this just kind of shows that he like is controlling of her because he wants her to like look pretty to like, because he's kind of, um, he likes to be well cupped as it talks about earlier in the book, how he like, his beard is always closely trimmed. Um, and so I feel like he wants the same from his wife to look well kept and her being burnt kind of destroys that. I don't know if he would necessarily care too much about his appearance because he does, there is a quote where he's talking about how he slouches a bit and he is, he is pretty wealthy. He's wealthy enough where he can do pretty much whatever he wants. He can separate from other people or if he can, leave, like I said, he can quit their society if he ever felt like it. If you have that much wealth, you probably didn't care too much. But in some ways, don't you think wealthy people want you to know they're wealthy and that's why his beard was like nicely trimmed and he um, wore eyeglasses to make himself like look smarter and stuff. Isn't there a thing in society where it's like the wealthy, the wealthy whisper and then the poor shout because people who are just barely rich, they always try to like show off their money to prove that they're wealthy. But those who aren't are already wealthy and they usually don't care. They usually do whatever they feel like. Like Mr. Poncelaire, he reads the newspaper whether it's old or not. He leaves if he feels annoyed. He does whatever pretty much he wants. If, if he wants to stay home and stay with his family, he'll do it. If he doesn't, he goes to the parties. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, actually, I can understand why you think that. And I feel like, and I feel like going on with like the newspaper thing, I feel like in some ways him reading the newspaper is kind of showing that he can just like do whatever he wants and that he just can like leisurely go around and also like it kind of brings up like the comfortability in his relationship with his wife because they kind of have their own separate paths in this chapter specifically but he seems totally okay with that and like not jealous or anything of her relationship with Robert. Doesn't they understand each other because there's a quote or it's like he he didn't tell her but she knew that if he would come back if depending on the company at the house if there was a company or if there was a game or how many people were there he would have stayed but if not he would have came back like she understood that without him having to say it to her so maybe there's like some kind of um, deeper understanding between them um but then yeah like i agree with the deeper understanding because like unconsciously they both like with the whole ring scenario unconsciously they both like understood each other without like having to speak through words so there is a depth of like of a deeper connection that's shown through their interaction specifically yeah and in regards to their connection um they both seem to be controlling of each other mostly mr pontelier being controlling of his wife but um in the first chapter uh it uses interesting verbiage in the way that um, Chopin um, explains what's going on and she says that um, the wife instructs Mr. Pontelier to do certain things and it's just like a norm to them they just like listen to each other but it's almost in a controlling way
sense. Continuing on with the characterization in chapter two, um, the book says Robert rolled a cigarette. He smoked cigarettes because he could not afford cigars. And I feel like this kind of con is like a contrast between Leonce and Robert because in the first chapter it talks about how Leonce um, like finally lit a cigar and began to smoke. So I feel like it kind of shows a contrast between the two. Like one of them has a lot of money and one of them doesn't necessarily. Is it like a contrast of their wealth? Because well, if one can only afford cigars every now and then and then cigarettes all the time, he still has wealth. But the other one can afford cigars all the time. So he'd be the difference between their wealth more? Or is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I just kind of, I feel like it's like, it just shows that they're very different and that they're, in some ways, like, their relationship with Edna would be different because of their sta their different statuses in their society. You can see that. Um, Robert Lebrun is also, like, a younger man than um, Mr. Pontelier was, so maybe that has something to do with, like, wealth and position in society. And, um, yeah. Could that be, like... Mr. Pontellier is already settled because he, he, he's comfortable in his life. He's got the wealth to do what he feels like. He's settled because of his age after like maybe years of doing what he's doing. And then the younger guy could show maybe kind of like Mr. Pontellier when he was younger. Not as He still had wealth, just not as much. Um, in chapter two, it kind of characterizes uh, Robert Lebrun a little bit more. And it, on page 10, it says, Robert talked a good deal about himself. He was very young and did not know any better. And so, basically, he talks about himself, and it's not his fault, really, because he's young, he doesn't know any better. Wouldn't that be, like, the opposite of Mr. Pontelier? It's their contrast. He, one's younger, one's older, one's wealthier, one's not as wealthy. Wouldn't it be, it, wouldn't it be just a contradiction? Or, not a contradiction. It, it'd be a contrast between both of them, wouldn't it? I mean, in some ways, like, obviously it's different that in their age, but both of them both seem to be a little confident in the way that they view themselves. Um, I was also gonna like add on to the contrasting point between two characters by like um, on page 9 to page 10 when uh, the last paragraph is talking about how Mrs. Poitier and Robert they both chat about like their surroundings so I think um, Robert seems to be a little bit more like Observe, observant about like the way that he views other people but then Mr. Pontier is kind of like um, secluding himself from that um, and observing but then Robert is kind of like not really secluding himself and just really observing and incorporating that conversation with Mrs. Pontier. Okay going into the third chapter they actually bring up the first like awakening not like a big awakening but it on page 12 it says like when Mr. Pontelier um entered into the room it awoke his wife who was in bed and fast and was fast asleep when he came in and I feel like this was kind of like the first time that she's been woken up and I feel like it kind of can um serve as like a precursor to like other moments later on in the book of like her continuing to just wake up and I feel like this was like kind of the first instance where it, it doesn't play that big of a role in the sequence of the scene, but I feel like it kind of is a precursor to what happens later in the book.
What What do you think it would be a precursor to exactly though? Her awakening in the ocean. Like I feel like her awakening earlier on in the book can kind of show that she'll be awoken later on in a different context. So it's like a physical awakening compared to a spiritual awakening in a sense? Yeah. Oh, so you think it's more of foreshadowing like future events? Yeah, that's exactly what that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. <laughs> it. Took me a minute to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> In chapter three, when Monsieur Pontelier came home, um, he forgot about the gifts for his kids, but then he went to wake up his wife, and he was pretty sure that his kid had a fever, but the wife wasn't so sure about it. But it seemed to me that Mr. Pontelier had to be right. And then um, Mrs. Pontelier like, got really upset. Did she get upset just because, um, what is it, he was arguing with her? It wasn't ex exactly that the kid was sick. It was just because he was trying to prove her wrong. And I think he does call her a bad mother because, what was the quote you said? Something about uh, if you, if, and with his kids, if they fall down, you can see them just pick themselves up and move on instead of their mother rushing towards them. Yeah, I think it was later in the book um, when they were talking about the mother woman and how... Um, Mrs. Pontelier doesn't necessarily embody that and they were given an instance where if one of her kids were to fall down in the park uh, she would just let them be independent and pick them up themselves and she would just watch while like other mothers are really protective and they would run over and help them up. Wasn't it another thing where they called, well they called their features more handsome than anything to like try to show how much, how like how more or how less of a mother she would be to their children. Yeah, they do explain how like her physical appearance is more handsome, which makes it seem like I don't know, she's more manly and less of a mother than she is. So Um, so we noticed that on page twenty three and twenty four we're um noticing that Robert actually reminds Mrs. Pontier to go bathing again, just like how, like, when they were bathing in, like, the first chapter, um, and it specifically says that it was not so much of a question as a reminder, so, yeah, and also, Mrs. Pontier, she makes it clear she was, like, indecisive about it, and <clears throat> when he originally asked her, she said, I'm tired, I think not. And on page 24, he um, convinces her and is kind of like manipulative about it. And he's like, oh, come, he insisted. You mustn't miss your bath. Come on, the water must be delicious. It will not hurt you. Come. And he pretty much like grabs her hat and like in a way like forcefully makes her come with him. And I think that's like symbolic towards the end of these chapters in the way that he... He kind of like pursues married women. Wasn't there a part? What is it? I feel like somebody said something about. Yeah, there was something where somebody said um, that a lady he was pursuing at the moment shouldn't take him serious, and if she did, that she still shouldn't. And it like, didn't it anger him. Like we're not. Oh sure yeah, that was in chapter. Let's see. In chapter. 
That was in chapter eight when Adele tells Robert to leave Edna alone. And then he like gets mad because um, he, because she says that he doesn't want, she doesn't want her to take him seriously and he gets annoyed because he was like, why wouldn't she take me seriously? But is that kind of what you were talking about? Yeah, wouldn't like, why I don't I don't see exactly why he would go after like married women or like pre, like what is it widow is that what it's called when like someone's married and then they die I think that's what it's called yeah yeah yeah, that's what yeah it's I don't see why he would go after women like that I, I, like that's probably why he was told he shouldn't be taken serious I don't know that's actually a good point to bring up back to water in the um, sixth chapter I believe. Yes, in the sixth chapter, it talks about the sea a few times, um, talking about, and page 21, it says, 29, first off, first of all, the sight of the water stretching so far, those motionless sails against the blue sky made a delicious picture that I just wanted to sit and look at. And then she also talks about it again later, saying that um, her face, it said on page 33, that her face was turned to the sea. And I kind of feel like, in some ways this is kind of like foreshadowing her like big awakening because she obviously has like a gravitational pull to the sea because she keeps talking about it in this chapter and so I feel like it like kind of symbolically represents that she feels a pull to it and that's why she's watching it so much yeah and also when she first talks about the sea in in chapter six on page 25 it says the voice of the sea is seductive, never ceasing, whispering, clamoring, murmuring, inviting the soul to wander for a spell in abysses of solitude, to lose itself in mazes of inward contemplation. The voice of the sea speaks to the soul. The touch of the sea is sensuous, enfolding the body in its soft, close embrace. And this description of the sea, like, kind of makes the sea seem as if it's a sort of freedom to them and like an escape from like the reality of what's actually going on and later in these chap and like towards the end of these 10 chapters um edna has her first awakening and she realizes that like maybe her relationship with her husband isn't like a real type of love that it should be i also think that like um like just this description of the sea it contradict it has like it highlights the contradiction between or, sorry the contrasting points of like nature and man because as you can see like her relationship with Robert and Mr. Pointier um, they're both kind of like constricting her and they're forcing her to do stuff and even though like her relationship might be comforting with Mr. Pointier he still thinks her uh, he still object yeah ob- objectifies her and doesn't really give her that freedom that she kind of endures when she goes to the sea speaking of the relationship do you do you consider it um mutual or like reliant of one another or how would you consider it um i don't really think it's reliant because i think they they both have their own lives like she isn't really like high maintenance or she isn't dependent on him and he isn't really dependent on her um so i don't think it's reliant on each other I kind of feel like Edna does kind of rely on him in a way. I think more personally, yeah, because like it kind of talks about at the beginning that like he even like 
a lot of times she wouldn't take care of the kids and he would after he would work and stuff. And so I kind of feel like she relies on him to do a lot more than she feels like she has to. Like, I feel like she relies on him for a lot of other things besides what the stereotypical roles back then were. Isn't there a quote he says about her? If if it isn't a woman's job to take care of a child, then whose is it to like show that she really doesn't even take care of the kids? Yeah. I'm thinking it's, or what do you think of the relationship with the kids exactly? Because I'm thinking, um, I think he, I think he is like a genuinely trying to have a relationship with his children, even though he does leave them with the nanny. But that's mostly due to just him having to go to his work. Um, when he first left, he um, promised his kids that he'd bring back gifts and treats for them. But then when he comes back, um, it says how he like forgot about it. So it's maybe like. In a way, like she's trying to buy his kids affection, and yeah. yeah, he forgot to bring back the treats that they wanted. I don't think it was necessarily trying to buy it because he also did check up on one of his kids, and he noticed one of them had a fever, while his mother, who was with him, didn't notice at all. So I'm thinking he was just trying to be a decent father, or at least like have an, a decent, a good impression on his children at the minimum. Yeah, I think, like, what you're saying is, like, the intentions are there, but the execution wasn't, like... Yeah. Exactly. So, we kind of feel like it's important to talk about her awakening in the end of the chapter, or at the end of the ten-page... Oh, my goodness. (laughs) At the very end of, like, this section, where she, like, goes into the water and, in a way, kind of rebirths, and I feel like it actually kind of connects to the very beginning of the book when it talks about how the birds um were not understood because they were speaking a language that no one understood and I feel like throughout this section of the novel Edna feels understood and so misunderstood sorry and I feel like her baptism and like awakening kind of allows her to feel like she is like a different person and has freedom that she didn't once have and that maybe someone will finally kind of understand her All in all, we feel like these chapters kind of show a lot of the characterization and like developments within the characters and kind of lead up to this big overall awakening. So thank you so much for watching or listening to this week's podcast.